Hello and welcome to the Underdog Podcast where we talk G5 football and only G5 football. It's Adam Luckett coming to you once again um, with a Sunbelt edition of one of the podcasts. And today we're pretty much, as most of you know, listening, just wrapped up media days for the Fun Belt out there in New Orleans. Um, us at UDD, we were, were unable to attend this year, but we did provide coverage as we stay tuned most of the day. So we're going to kind of do a recap of that here on this edition of the podcast. And today I have one of the guys that writes for our site, covers actually New Mexico State Aggies for us. And he's going to kind of join on here and we're going to talk about what happened at the media days and what to expect from the Aggies this fall. So I'm going to bring him in right now. Kyle, how you doing, man? Pretty good. I'm happy to be a part of this podcast. I'm excited to talk some Sunbelt football. Absolutely, absolutely. So we'll just start out uh, with what Commissioner Benson took the stand first down there at the Superdome. Brought up some interesting points that I'm just going to bring up right here. Uh, one one cool thing I think that the, the league's doing this year is they're using collaborative replay. Um, they're partnering with the SEC. Basically what that means is the when they do instant replay at the game, the head referee has assistance from somebody that's van or a booth, wherever they're, wherever they have them centrally located. They have them at a centralized location to pretty much assist the referee with the replay to make sure they get that play right. Commissioner Benson mentioned that Central Michigan Oklahoma State game that I'm sure most people are familiar with, where the game should have been over. It, they let Central Michigan get one more play and they scored on some crazy Hail Mary lateral kind of thing. So I think that's a good step for the league just to make sure that they get everything right and avoid something catastrophic. And it's, them being the first G5 to put that in, I think it's going to be a nice step for the league, and I think they're going to get some pretty good uh, publicity from that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think, you know, to just having this kind of levels the playing field um, between Power 5 and Group of 5, uh, they can't really – knock the Sun Belt anymore for, you know, not being on the same level technologically or on the same level, whereas it's officials or coaches or whatever, you know, this is just, it's really important because, you know, all the Power 5 conferences have the resources to put this in place. They're going to have it. You know, it's kind of inevitable, the Sun Belt, to upgrade their replay system to this. So um, it's, it's a really big step, in my opinion. Yes, most people know Idaho, New Mexico State, it's their last year in the league in the Sun Belt as Idaho is going back to FCS, and the Aggies are transitioning into independent, which we'll get into kind of their future later as we move on. But uh, Benson pretty much came out and said no more expansion as of right now. They're, they feel pretty good about eight or the eight-team league they have with – or excuse me, the ten-team league they're going to have with a two five-team divisions. Surprised by that comment at all, Kyle, or do you think uh, – some else going to be, you know, stuck with 10 as they move forward. You know, I, I was a little bit surprised just because of, uh, you know, Arkansas Little Rock had mentioned they were going to add football with Liberty also moving up to the FBS. I know they're going to be an independent, but they're kind of in that geographical uh, footprint. I thought it was interesting they weren't going to expand because if Little Rock gets football, you know, that brings it to 11. You can't really have even divisions. So I started thinking, they're going to have to add in a, a 12th member. Would it be Liberty, or do you think um, maybe the Aggies would get invited back to the Sun Belt? Or, or what are your thoughts on, on that comment? 
Well, me personally, I think the commission kind of got caught with his hand in the cookie jar. Said they weren't going to expand. And somebody asked him about Little Rock, and he said yes, like right away. Didn't even hesitate on it that UALR would get accepted into the Sun Belt. But I don't see them going out west again. During his comments, when he first talked about back a few years ago when all that expansion went and they lost a bunch of teams to the CUSA, they were stuck with six teams. He went to the coaches and they asked, what's important to you all? And they said they, they got to get back into Texas. But I think what he meant by that is, is that's as far as they want to go is Texas. So I don't see them going more west than currently what they are, which is San Marcos, currently what they are right now. I think what would happen is if they added UALR, that'd be another team in their Western division. So they would want to add somebody that would fit that Eastern profile, which Liberty would fit, but I'm not sure how interested the league would be in Liberty. I know it was a close decision when they decided to add Coastal Carolina. I know it came down really down to the wire between them and Eastern Kentucky, EKU. They would make a decision off that and probably really look at who – what program was in a better state moving forward. Of course, Liberty's going to have the jump on EKUs. They're going, going FBS independent. But if they get beat up, EKU might be a more suitable fit. They just, they got a, EKU's got a second-year coach, and I believe his name's Mike Elder, who's assistant at Tennessee. So if he gets things going down there um, in Richmond where EKU is located, they could be more suitable candidate. But either way, both of those teams fall on that geographical footprint that we talk about. So, and I think that's really what the league is looking at to stay within within that structure going forward. Yeah, I, I guess I hadn't thought of EKU, but um, that's kind of what I figured would happen. I, I thought it was a long shot that the Aggies might um, get back into the Sun Belt, but uh, I think it's important, uh, especially for Group 5 conferences, to say, you know, somewhat local, uh, cut down on travel costs and things like that. Absolutely. And then another interesting thing he said, he said um, all Sunbelt, every game on a Sunbelt campus this year, so any game my team hosts will be covered by the ESPN network. So, I mean, most of them won't be on television, but you can get them on ESPN3. And then if you got one of these new services like Fire Stick or Apple Television that I have that I would highly recommend, you can get all those games through that and you can just watch them on your TV and he and he really complimented um, some Sunbelt fans saying that they've done a really good job adjusting to this and being a, being flexible enough to learn how to hook up their computer or their tablet device to their 50, 60-inch television. And people can watch those games from the com- comfy, comfy confines of their own home. So I, yeah. think, I think that's yeah. good for the league. You see stuff, you see CSA's really struggling right now getting coverage in, in AAC – it's got a good contract right now, but I believe it runs up. I think at the, it's either the end of this year or soon. So that's going to be a big thing moving forward is how these G5 leagues keep getting coverage and making sure um, their games are being televised and that they're getting financially paid for their games being televised. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree. It's it's important. You know, it's it's not only is it good for the league just getting uh, TV, but it's easy for the fans too. You know, they won't have to look so hard for ways to watch the game, and I think it'll lead to more fans watching, just because it's easier to find and just all around good for the league. I think a lot of what Commissioner uh, said just points up. The Sun Belt's just 
trending up, and I'm really encouraged by what he had to say. Yeah, I thought uh, the commissioner was really good, and uh, he really set the tone for what was a, a pretty good media days from my perspective. So we'll uh, move on, and we'll, there's just some storylines I picked out. If you haven't already, make sure you've gone on the UDD site, underdogdynasty.com, where we posted kind of a – for each team, I wrote pretty much five around five points of what um, the coaches or players said there when they, when they were at the podium and were getting interviewed. So we'll start off with it. Really, there was a big thing coming from really both App State and Arkansas State and even Troy. They really didn't shy away from their expectations. Their expectations are to win the fun belt and to win that G5 automatic bid to the New Year's Six. And even Arkansas State head coach Blake Anderson went, really went into kind of detail. He said it was definitely a goal of their team this year, and he knew he kind of threw it out that they need to beat one of the Power 5 schools they play. He said he liked their chances to win both games, whether it was, you know, they open with Nebraska next week, they host Miami there in Jonesboro. And then Scott Satterfield to, and Troy Brown, to a lesser extent, said that that is their goal. Really, I don't think Satterfield brought it up, but Taylor Lamb, quarterback there in Boone, senior four-year starter, really said that's the goal, and that's where the Mountaineers want to get to. And then Brown pretty much said expectation at Troy every year is to win a conference title. So I think it's good and healthy for the league that really it's kind of a three-team race this year between those three programs that those three teams are – that they're shooting for that, that they're shooting for get, being the best G5 team in the country. I think it only helps the league. And even Commissioner Benson talked about that in his opening statement about how they want to get to that game. I think – Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Joey Jones uh, mentioned something about the Sun Belt too this year. Mm-hmm. And, and I made a note when I was going through this. I just I thought it was funny how so many coaches mentioned, you know, they're competing for a championship or they're they're expecting to win the championship. I just it's funny because you know you start to wonder which coaches are being realistic. Obviously, Troy, Arkansas State, and Appalachian State they all. It's all realistic, but then you get into South Alabama and you know some of these other teams, and you start to wonder if they're just trying to overexcite their fan base or maybe setting themselves up for failure. So it's just interesting to see which coaches mention competing for championships, and I think it's kind of dangerous for coaches to do that too, uh, just because you know the expectation gets set up so high. But I guess that's kind of what you have to do nowadays to bring in the revenue. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it helps them sell tickets. I think that's what a lot of that comes down to. A lot of it's motivation for the team. I was actually going to – Joey Jones was actually my next point. Head coach at South Alabama, I believe he's lost seven games three seasons in a row now. I believe it was five and seven, five and seven, six and seven. There, he's kind of getting he's kind of getting close to like that stale territory where, you, you know, he's done a good job building the program to this point, but if they're going to take that next jump, They've got to win games and compete for a conference title. Year in, year in and year out, you hear other teams and coaches say that, you know, they're one of the most talented teams in the league. And you see that with some of the results they have when they go up against Power 5 competition. Of course, they beat Mississippi State in the opener last year in Starkville. And then they went and won against San Diego State at home. But then they go in the Sun Belt and lost, lose all four road games. So it's a team that's volatile to say the least you never know what you're going to get with the Jags so I think Jones what he's doing here 
it's kind of a message that he's been sent that he needs to win, so he's setting the, the goal high that they need to get some wins this year. Yeah, kind of a Jekyll and Hyde uh, year for them last year, but even still, I mean, like you, like you said, they lost seven games three years in a row, and eight wins or, or ten wins, you know, that would be that would be realistic, you know, and it would get me excited, not as much as a conference championship, obviously, but um, just I just think he's maybe getting a little overzealous. And do you think do you think anything would happen to him if he weren't up for a championship this year, or do you think he's got another couple years at South Alabama? I'm not a hundred percent sure on his contract situation. Probably need to do some research on that, figure out what that is, but I think. If he doesn't get to a bowl game this year, you got to look at South Alabama and be like, okay, we need to figure something out here. Troy, their in-state rival, has really kind of skyrocketed past them here recently. With the, Really, it was all due to the hire of Neil Brown. So I think they're just going to have to figure some stuff out. The, the Sun Belt, the landscape's changing. New Mexico State and Idaho are leaving. And in that in that West Division that South Alabama's in, it, the opportunity's there for them to strike. Texas State's still rebuilding. You've got the juggernaut at Arkansas State. I just think they might see if they don't see a step forward with Jones, like a seven and five, maybe an eight and four season, they may realize, all right, let's go in a different direction right now. Let's go get a we got a talented roster. Let's get a coach that can, you know, kind of provide a spark and let's, you know, try to be a perennial are a yearly contender in this new Sunbelt West Division. Yeah, I definitely agree. I might be eating my words later on in the season, but they did beat you know some pretty good teams last year. You never know; they could uh, surprise you know some teams in the Sunbelt this year. And he might be right; they might have a, a championship caliber team. I guess we don't really we don't really know for sure. I really like that defense that South Alabama is going to have this year. I think it could be one of the better ones in the league. Like I've talked about in previous previous pods, just the passing game and the running game. Even Jones mentioned that they're going to have to get the running game established. Xavier Johnson, their tailback, is going to end up leaving. As long as he doesn't get hurt, he's going to leave as the school's all-time leading rusher. And just a quick look at their schedule and conference. they got to go to Troy, but they get Arkansas State at home. They avoid Appalachian State. The schedule's not uber difficult, so maybe they could do some things. But it's going to be interesting to see how they progress um, going forward with Joey Jones. Yeah, certainly. But uh, we'll jump ahead here. Even Idaho, they talked about even, you know, but I understand why they did this. Paul Petrino talked about their goal is a conference title. But I understand why they're swinging for the fences because this is their last year in FBS. They're going to FCS, which I'm kind of disappointed to see. It seems like Petrino's finally got some positive momentum going there in Moscow. Now that they're now they're switching to FCS, it's gonna be kind of weird not having the Vandals up with the big boys anymore. Yeah, it's it's definitely sad. I was disappointed when I heard that they were dropping. It seems like a lot of teams do this. You know, UAB they had all these great players. You know, their program folded. We all know how that turned out. Now with Idaho, you know, you have Linehan. Obviously, he'll be gone uh, after this year, but he's really kind of that face of the team. You can mark around him, and you can always bring fans in with a good quarterback. You know, it's kind of they're going all in on this season, and I don't totally knock their move down to the FCS just because they do play in the Big Sky with all their other sports, and it's a lot closer travel. 
and some of the uh, schools around there they'll probably end up having a rivalry with. But again, like you mentioned, uh, he's got a really good team. The defenses, especially the linebackers, should be really fun to watch. You know, with them going down to the FCS, it'll be kind of disappointing not to be able to see them as easily progress, you know, through different uh, TV stations, you know, covering their games. Yeah, he mentioned that defense is going to be the fastest he's had at the, to this point at Idaho. They're going to – the linebacker group, like you mentioned, has a chance to be one of the better line position groups defensively in the G5. But we'll get – you mentioned Matt Lenahan as well. He's a four-year starter. There's also a couple other four-year starters. You've got Brandon Silvers at Troy, Taylor Lamb at Appalachian State, and then you got a guy like Tyler Rogers who seems like he's been at New Mexico State for forever. <laughs> it's with these collection of quarterbacks, I feel like the league's got a chance to really do some things this year and maybe surprise some people in non-conference play. Yeah, um, I mean, quarterbacks are always – those are always the positions you need to be good and have a lot of experience, and it's really unique – to have so many quarterbacks with all this experience, you know, kind of have their senior year or upper class years all at the same time. So I think we're in for a really fun, surprising season as Sunbelt fans. And I definitely think that um, a lot of these games are going to come down to the wire and, you know, just hold on to your hats, I guess. And another thing for the league, um, I don't really think it got mentioned much other than uh, Georgia State head coach Sean Elliott. I mean, any chance he got, he was selling that new stadium that they're going to have there in downtown Atlanta, saying it's going to be kind of a state-of-the-art venue. Um, even quoted saying it's not going to be some type of second-rate stadium. When you walk in that stadium, you're going to be impressed. And then in Arkansas State, they're kind of doing renovations where they're putting, you know, those fancy kind of waterfalls or whatever it is just to kind of make it easier on the eyes, I feel like, and get them some attention on television. And then even Troy is in the process of building a brand new like players facility and coaches office there in one of their open end zones. And then they're going to add some like I believe some suites and some other type of seats in there and a big scoreboard. Seeing teams like this in this league being able to you know get money for renovations and move forward, I think it's only going to help the league moving forward. It's it's very healthy for a conference to see that. Because then it creates a competition where other teams got to keep up. Because as we know, it's all about recruiting in college football. And two of those teams specifically, Arkansas State and Troy, are look at themselves as top of the conference, and they want to get to that G5 bid in the New Year's Six. And then for Georgia State, it's just a young program. They saw an opportunity, and they jumped on it with the, with the Braves exiting Turner Field. And they've got a chance to really create – a home field advantage, something they didn't have playing in the Georgia Dome all these years as a, as a college football startup. Oh, definitely. I, I'm sure you've seen the pictures and how the stadium is coming together, and it looks really cool. And I've just got to say, I think that everyone involved in getting that stadium for Georgia State just did a fantastic job. You know, it's downtown. It's, you know, it's in the city. It's going to seem like there's a lot more people in the in the stands because you know the georgia the georgia dome is really big some pictures of some of their games and it didn't look like there were hardly any anybody in the stands so it'll be interesting to see just the attendance level but the noise level as well and then from those other improvements that you mentioned i think it's important for recruiting just because 
um, it shows that the schools are really invested in the football program. The Sun Belt's not just happy with, you know, eight and five, get to a bowl, win or lose. They want to be the best. They want to have um, good facilities. They want to have good players. They're in it to win it. And they're not just content with being a middle-of-the-road group of five conference. And I think it's it's really exciting. It's really encouraging as a fan. Like I said before, I think Sunbelt's really doing well as a conference. They're definitely trending upwards. Yeah, even the bit, Commissioner Benson mentioned that during his statement. He said even something to the extent of that they don't want to pay play so many paycheck games, so to speak, so many kind of giveaway losses. So I think you'll see less of that as he wants their conference to schedule teams they can beat. And even the Sun Belt had a, they believe they were 4-2 and two in the bowls last year. So they had a winning record in the postseason, and a lot of coaches mentioned that as, you know, the league improving and getting better. So we'll move on here, and it wouldn't be a podcast, a Sun Belt podcast, if we didn't talk Tyson Summers and what's going down Georgia Southern. Really, I just want to touch on what he said in media days. He said a big goal of his offseason there in Statesboro was building trust with players and talking to players and trying to make sure they're on the same page. Um, that didn't sound good to me. It sounded like a guy that lost the locker room last year, and he's trying to kind of rally the troops, so to speak, and get everybody together as they enter the season. So that was scary. And then he talked about how, you know, they wanted to run the gun option, but the guy they're bringing in, Brian Cook, I know he ran it before, but he was strictly under center flex bone when he was with Paul Johnson at Georgia Tech. So I feel like they're going away from what maybe he does best and then it's kind of leaked out that they're going to start uh, – that redshirt freshman Shea Wirtz is going to be the starting quarterback this year. So if you miss Summer's opening press conference where before training camp starts, because their camp started the day after media day there on, on Monday. So camp started Tuesday, and Summer's had his introductory season press conference that day. So that's a little scoot for you if you missed that. So expect redshirt freshman Shea Wirtz to be the starter. But Summer's didn't really – I think it's – he didn't really calm – I don't think any of the Georgia Southern fans down with those comments. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's 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 nerve wracking. You know, I, I admittedly I'm not too invested in in that program, but just hearing that is is really scary. It's like a it's just a huge step back. You know, you have to obviously with the new coach, it's it's kind of expected. You know, when you still have to keep building confidence in players and. When you really have to instill that confidence, it's really just not, like you said, just not good. I feel like something like that between a player and coach kind of just comes naturally or it's not there. So if you have to kind of force it, it's just yeah, not a good situation for that program. So now we'll move on. The reason we really brought Kyle on here, I personally want to talk about New Mexico State, the Aggies. This is a program that's in the last year of the Sun Belt. Doug Martin enters his fifth season. He's gone two and ten, two and ten, three and nine, three and nine. So it's a big year for him as they're kind of starting new. I feel like it's kind of a must-win year for Martin. Offensively, they got a lot of weapons that I really like. I think if Larry Larry Rolls came out on me today, said he was healthy, and it, you know he's really going to show people something this year. Getting Rogers back as a senior is healthy. They've got some young receivers that look interesting, and they got a lot of 
talent really returning on defense and expectations are high under uh, second-year defensive coordinator and former Boston College head coach Frank Spaziani. So it really looks like New Mexico State could be a sleeper this year in the Sun Belt. Definitely. Yeah, I, I don't even know where to begin. Just starting on offense, I guess. Uh, like you said, we have a good backfield. Larios the third um, have some depth there. Phil Steele has them ranked as one of you know the top units in all of the FBS, which is promising. And we have a lot of young quarterbacks as well behind Rodgers, uh, so they're up there as well. You know, we have good pieces all around. A left tackle who's got NFL size, and people think he can you know progress to that next level in Doc Stater. And on the defensive side. We lose the nation's leading tackler at linebacker, but we still have some depth there as well and some interesting transfer, uh, graduate transfer, uh, Calvin Allen from Arizona, and then uh, Texas A&M uh, signee coming in as well. Both talented guys should add some interesting talent to the defensive line. And then you have guys who've been here for a while, like Jaden Wright, and it really could turn into a really special season. My expectation, kind of overzealous expectation as a fan, is to break that that bowl drought. Um, but like you said, the defense is is going to be important, and you know Spaziani, it's his second year, and I think they'll make some major improvements. I mean, that's really all they can do uh, at this point after going. I think they were 121st in total defense last year, so all they can really do is go up. I, I definitely have some comments about the defense, but. I want to focus on this offense right quick. You look at the offensive line, it should be better. But I think the key is both Rodgers and Rose have battled injuries. So keeping them on the field and out of the training room, I think it's going to be essential. I think if they can do that, you're looking at an offense that's going to be up there with Troy as probably maybe the second or maybe even the best offense in the Sun Belt this year. Yeah, I would agree. And I think kind of the dangerous thing, disrespect to any of the other players, but I feel like Larios the third is kind of the backbone of of the offense, and I think if he goes down, I think that's really going to affect the the morale and the psyche of the of the team. So keeping him healthy is definitely, I think, the most important thing. You know, he's such a game changing player that, and I, you know, he's a senior. A lot of guys seem like they look up to him, and they really respect him. So keeping him healthy is. It's definitely key. And then uh, Rodgers, you know, you have to have someone to go up through the air, ground and pound for a while, but then you got to you know, open it up a little bit. So keeping him healthy is is important as well. But Larry Rose third, keeping him healthy is, is really going to make or break the season. And I'm, I'm confident in the offensive line, but uh, well, we'll just have to wait and see, I guess. Absolutely. Like you talk, balance is key in any level of football. With you got a back like Rose, he's just a little bit over a thousand yards away from being the program's leading rusher. Tyler Rogers just needs barely over eleven hundred yards to become the program's second leading passer. So those are really two corner store excuse me, cornerstone pieces when you talk about in the when you kind of look in the history of the program there in, at New Mexico State. So we got some guys there in the offense. I, I believe they're gonna put in points. Like you said, Rose staying healthy is gonna be huge. But let's switch over to the defense. New Mexico State added a huge transfer in former Texas A&M Aggie Alton Robinson, like you mentioned earlier. What are really 
the I guess the programs, maybe even Doug Martin's expectations, and then the fans' expectations of this kind of blue chipper that they're getting. They usually don't get a player that this you know this highly touted coming in. So I'm assuming expectations have got to be pretty high for Robinson. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't. I think all of the expectations are high. Like you said, we don't get many of these guys, so I think that he's, he's going to have a lot of eyes on him, and we're going to expect a lot from him, which is maybe a little bit too much to ask in his first season, but I think that's something that's going to happen regardless. So um, as far as numbers go, you know, stats, I'm not, I'm not really sure what the expectations are there, but I expect to see him, you know, making plays and hearing his name called quite a bit. Uh, throughout the season. Um, as far as Martin goes, I guess, yeah, I'm, I think he's excited to have you know, a big recruit. I know, uh, let's see, uh, I'm kind of losing my train of thought, but I know that he, he'll he be excited, and uh, I, I know he'll, he'll expect a lot of improvement from the defensive line. Kind of sad that uh, Busby left. He was released from the team, which would have helped on that front, but you know, these guys, I think they'll step in and they'll they'll do a pretty good job. Yeah, Busby, that's not – that wasn't great to see. I mean, he's going to be a senior. He had, appears, 44 tackles, four and a half tackles for loss last year. So he's a guy that's experienced. That hurts to lose that. And really they have some depth up front, it looks like, that they haven't had in a while. And that kind of hurts that depth, losing um, that, that senior. But for sure, Terrell Hanks is a really good linebacker. Shamad Lomax really showed some things at the defensive back. And Jaden Wright's one of the better safeties in the Sun Belt. That defense has some pieces. And even Jaden Wright mentioned at media days that, you know, they really got to step up this year. They can't just let teams go through them like a knife through hot butter pretty much. It's good to see that the players have those higher expectations. And with a guy like experience and it's been some around some high-level football and Frank Spaziani, I think their confidence is going to be pretty high going into the season on the defensive side of the ball. I definitely think so. And um, I mentioned in one of my more recent articles, uh, Martin's been saying the, the coaches have done all they can do. You know, now it's time that the players really buckle down. They get their minds in their headspace from game to game, not just or week to week, not just, you know, one game will show up next game. You know, we'll see how we feel. Um, I think he's really his expectations are, are very high. And he's expecting 110% throughout the whole season. Speaking of expectations, what's really the fans, how are they looking at this season? What are they kind of expecting from the Aggies going into this year? And then more down the road, how are they feeling about this move uh, to independent life? Um, I think expectations for this season are definitely a bowl. I think fans always want, will always want more, but I think a bowl is really – you know, what we want to see, break that streak and really show some progress uh, through the football team. A lot of these guys are going to be graduating after this year. So I think from a fan's perspective, we're kind of going all in on the season as well. It'll be a while since we have another play like Larry Rose third. So really expectations are pretty high. I think seven and five and go to a bowl or four is really the expectation. And, and then from the move to uh, independent football, I think a lot of, I know I'm personally, am pretty hesitant about it. Just, it's really an uncertain future for the football program. I know the, 
the schedules are looking pretty good from a competition standpoint, but going on beyond uh, going out beyond 2019 is is just it's concerning. You know, you don't have that foundation that a conference brings, and you know, Las Cruces is kind of like UTEP, and they're they're kind of out of the way a little bit. So uh, getting teams there and then finding teams that want to play, you know, a program like NMSU is, uh, it, it'll be tough. But I think we have our AD, you know, uh, Mario Makaya, he's he's a good AD, and I have faith that he'll keep putting together good schedules. But, uh, again, I'm, I'm, I think most fans are, are a little concerned. We're just going to have to, it's a, a little bit of touch and go, I guess, for independent life. Martin kind of mentioned that schedule-wise, they're still got a fair share of some belt teams that are going to continue to play, and they're going to continue, I guess, you know, that New Mexico and that UTEP series. It makes sense for them in UTEP to play going forward. It's just going to be how they handle the scheduling moving forward and how, if they can have results, if they can keep winning games. If you're going independent and you're not winning – it's just not good because it's hard enough to schedule as it is. And then if you're not seeing the results with wins, you kind of get the point where, like, should we keep doing this kind of thing? Definitely. Should we maybe move down to FCS? You see it kind of with UMass right now. They're currently an FBS independent. And you're going to see it with Liberty, too. UMass, they're hardly ever on television other than when they're playing really a Power 5 school to get their their teeth kicked in and collect the paycheck. Mm-hmm. So they don't get any coverage. They don't have any events like we just had Sundell Media Day where they can kind of go and sell their program. And it's just really a tough life. And I think Liberty's going to kind of live that a little bit. There will be, you know, the positive publicity from them when they get, when they actually start playing FBS and they're officially an FBS team. But after that, when you're not in a conference to really kind of take in care of you really a conference is almost like insurance almost they you know you have people that are kind of you know looking out for you and making sure that you're getting share of money whether they you know they have those conference contracts and stuff like that and if you don't have that that's hard it's been and it's especially hard if you're not winning yeah i think winning is that's it's really important i'm glad you uh, mentioned that because you have really two options especially being a team like the Aggies are, you have the the payday games where you know you get your teeth kicked in, as you mentioned, or or you know you play these other games that are competitive. And if you lose those games, you start to lose you know two, three of those games in a row versus each year versus the same team. Our fans are really going to be interested in in another game like that. You know, will these schools really want to keep adding them to the schedule? You know, it you you really don't know. Yeah, and then with conferences as well, the bowl tie-ins, as an independent, you get six wins, seven wins. You could go to a bowl, but, you know, there's really no guarantee. So you could you, just, you could have a really good season, go seven and five, but um, go nowhere in the postseason, and then everyone kind of forgets. So it's definitely a little rocky as an independent. Independent life, if you're not named Notre Dame, is rocky. It's just hard and. Even BYU, to some extent, is having difficulties, and they're a program with, you know, years of winning tradition and a national championship under their belt. It's just, it's just difficult. But uh, we'll move forward here. 
try not to make this too sad. Well, I kind of want to break this schedule down that New Mexico State has. When I look at the roster on paper, this looks like a 6-7 to seven win team to me. I see an offense that's got two really good playmakers in Tyler Rogers and Larry Rose, some intriguing young wide receivers, and then some defense uh, defense that's got you know guys that can you know, make some havoc plays, whether it's you know Terrell Hanks at linebacker, Jaden Wright in the secondary, or even the new transfer, Alton Robinson, that we mentioned earlier. But going on the schedule, I'm just going to do it right quick. It really, I think the first five to six games are really kind of huge. You got the opener at Tempe at Arizona State, which is probably a loss. And then you got a huge game against New Mexico and Albuquerque. You follow this program closely. I know New Mexico State beat them last year, can kind of an upset there in Aggie Memorial Stadium, but are New Mexico State fans, are they really expecting to win that game this year against the Lobos? I know the Lobos are kind of rebuilding a bit, but they still have Lamar Jordan back at quarterback and a few of those running backs from last year, and they were a group that led the FBS in rushing. Yeah, I think I think we always kind of expect uh, to be competitive. Um, you know, last year we upset them, and and they were, they were a lot better team last year. They won – Bowl, they won nine games, and like you said, they led the the nation in ru- rushing. Um, you know, so now with them losing some pieces and kind of coming back down to earth, and with the Aggies really, in my eyes, improving, and they have a lot more talent this year. I think it's it's an expectation to win that game. Um, it would be kind of a blow if they didn't, just being a, a rivalry game, and it's a tough stretch. Uh, we go to Arizona State and Arkansas, two games that are going to be really tough. Um, so if you lose rivalry games that are, are winnable, then you know the, the season could go downhill fast. So I definitely think that as fans, we, we expect them to win that game. Yeah, for me personally, when I look at the schedule, that's a must-win game because it either it's going to give you a ton of momentum or it's going to be a real – kind of a kick in the nuts because that as you mentioned that schedule's tough. And then you got the fact that it's the last year in the Sun Belt. They're going to end their life after this. And then they the players, I don't know, they could get down on themselves because even after that they play a you know what's supposed to be a pretty good Troy team at home. So really they the two games I think they have to win earlier is that New Mexico game. And then maybe if you get a positive momentum, maybe you can, you know, spring an upset on Troy right there. I don't think that's going to happen. I think I'd see them beat New Mexico before they beat Troy, but then it's a must win that they beat UTEP. Uh, Coach Martin has even talked about how you know they really need to win that game. So that for me, that seems like that's going to be a monumental game really for Doug Martin and his program moving forward this year when the Miners come into town on September 23rd. Definitely. You know, we've lost nine straight to the Miners, which is upsetting, but – you know, they lose uh, their top running back, and, you know, they, they still have some good pieces, but I, I definitely think that's a must-win game. Uh, I've kind of, ever since the schedules have come out, I've I kind of circled those two games as, you know, being must-wins. I think if we go through those first four weeks and we're 0-4, I think Martin could be a, just holding on by a string, you know, and, and with, especially if we lose a 10-straight game to the minors and, you know, the fan base won't be happy about that. So definitely going to be tough. And, and with the Troy game, you know, they're going to be a pretty motivated team. Uh, even with that being 
home game, yeah, they're going to have to come ready to play because uh, Troy's going to come up firing. I can, I just have a feeling. Yeah, looking at that, you got to hope for New Mexico State. It's kind of a revenge game. They went to Troy and really got pistol whipped last year, fifty-two to six, and really embarrassed. So hopefully they, you know, come out ready to go there. But then as we move on down the schedule, I mean, it's just tough. Five of the first seven are on the road, so that makes that that just even shines more light on UTEP. How big that game is! They got to win that game against the Miners. That's just huge. And then they go to Arkansas and then to Appalachian State. Both likely losses, and then if they can, if they're set in a position where they can beat UTEP in New Mexico early in the year, then that game October fourteenth in Statesboro, Georgia Southern becomes big. It's another game that they that you got to think they'd have a really good shot at, and if they could win that one, they things are maybe setting up for a special season if they can get to that bye week at three and four. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, last time we played uh, Georgia Southern, you know we should have we should have won that game. Our special teams kind of had a blunder and kind of frustrating. I think it was 12-9. Aggies were leading 12-9 going into the fourth quarter, and we fumbled a kick return, punt return. I can't remember which, but, you know, they, they scored a touchdown a little later, and, you know, that was the game. So I think that's definitely a winnable game and a must-win game if we want to really have a special season and break that, um, that bowl drought. Uh, it's... I don't want to be too much of a, a negative Nancy here, but I think the the schedule makers didn't do us any favors this year. I know we we scheduled games against Arizona State and Arkansas, but you know they kind of I understand being the, the odd odd guys out, we'd get the, a tough schedule. But I was hoping for a little bit of a nicer schedule to you know carry out our swan song. Some games that we know we can win, but I'm excited for the season and. You know, I think we can give Troy and and at least out we can give them at least a scare. I'm not saying we're going to win those games, but I'm excited. I think they'll come ready to play. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if they can get to that three and four mark, I really like their chances to probably get three down the stretch. Texas State at Texas State should be a win, and they close with two what seems like fairly winnable games against Idaho and South Alabama at home. But it's just going to be getting to that point. For me, it seems like a season for New Mexico State, whether. They're going to be six and six, seven and five, or kind of like three and nine. It's just so much is riding on those early games that they got to get some momentum and really ride it throughout the season. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I, I think even if there is a down game, and you know they they end up losing one of those games, they should win. I I don't think they should throw in the you know they they shouldn't throw in the towel just just quite that early. Keep playing, and I guess my message for the players would be just keep your chins up. You know we. I think they'll they'll pull those games out, you know, versus New Mexico and UTEP. But I just I would hate to see them kind of you know struggle with one of those games and you know lose all hope for the season. And this is a program that hasn't been to a bowl game since 1960. What would it mean to the fan base there in at New Mexico State if they were able to you know break this kind of horrendous streak and really give them some positivity going into? independent life uh, it would mean the world uh I, I can't really put into words i don't think very well uh, what it would mean but i mean it would just you know there would be so much confidence and you know people would really be happy with the direction the program's going you know we'd for sure keep our head coach going into our independent schedules which would be huge uh, i don't think it would be a good thing to lose 
Martin and then heading to, you know, 2018, 2019, it's, it's really kind of paramount that we do get to a bowl. It, it could really be program defining. We win six games, seven games, get to a bowl. You know, it could really, in my eyes, it could decide whether they decide to keep the program afloat past 2019 and um, really go uh, full bore into independent life or, you know, if they, they miss out, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. So what I'm seeing from New Mexico State, I said on the last pod, I really think Larry Rose is going to have a huge season. I think he's going to be the Sunbelt Offensive Player of the Year. But I just – it's going to be – that schedule's really tough. And if they had a, some more breaks in the schedule, I could see a scenario where they could easily go 7-5. and five. But with that schedule, I kind of am seeing around a 4-8 and eight record. What is What are your predictions, Kyle? What are you thinking the Aggies are going to do if you, had, if you had to make a, you know, a prediction? I think earlier, you know, a couple months ago when we were doing our, our, our predictions on Underdog uh, Dynasty, I think I said three wins is what I thought. But now as, I, as the season gets near and, you know, we add some pieces on the defensive side, you know, I really think six wins is, is realistic and, and an expectation uh, for the season. You know, we, we have some, some tough games early going but um, down the stretch like you said we you know we can play with Idaho we can play with South Alabama uh, Georgia Southern so I really think a bowl is is really feasible this year uh, we just got to get through those first couple games and pull out a couple wins and I think we'll be in good shape yeah it's definitely gonna be an interesting season there for New Mexico State this is your traditional Aggie team that's going to be the bottom feeder of the conference. Even if they lose some games, I really think they're going to be in the in the fourth quarter, really there to maybe pull off some upsets and really maybe even give some of the big three in the Sun Belt, whether it's Troy, Appalachian State, or Arkansas State, give them you know a scare. But anyway, if y'all haven't already, make sure you check out Kyle's stuff on the site. He just wrote a really good piece here recently about. Head coach Doug Martin, titled, I believe it's titled The Time Is Now, talking about what the expectations really are for the Aggies this year and what needs to happen for them to go bowling. And then, of course, we have all that media day coverage that we've been popping out, and we've even p- pumped out a few articles regarding some of the renovations going on there at Georgia State and Troy. And then, uh, Kyle, where can all the people uh, find you on Twitter to follow you and see uh, what all the stuff you're writing? Yeah, uh, thanks for uh, mentioning the articles, by the way, and um, for all the fans out there, they should definitely check out the the Media Day recaps. Um, It's a good summary, Um, but uh, my Twitter handle, kind of a little goofy, it's at Miniboy, M-I-N-N-E-B-O-I. I think think a lot of people have had trouble finding that, so again, that's at M-I-N-N-E-B-O-I, and uh, yeah, check me out on Twitter, and I'll repost a lot of the stuff that um, all the writers post on Underdog Dynasty, and you guys can follow any one of us and keep up to date on Group of Five football. Yes, absolutely. Make sure you follow Kyle. You can find me at Adam Luckett. That's L-U-C-K-E-T-T-B-O-S on Twitter. And of course, Underdog Dynasty. Make sure you're checking that out. We're, you know, we're pumping out a lot of material and content as the season approaches, and it's only going to get better once the season actually gets here. And if you haven't already and you've got iTunes, make sure you subscribe there and give us a review if you don't mind. Just let us know any 
feedback, positive or negative, on the podcast. We really appreciate it. And, of course, like us on Facebook if you haven't already at Underdog Dynasty. And thanks for listening. And, Kyle, my man, thanks for coming on. We'll have to do this again. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was fun. No problem. Have a good one, everybody.